Are you ready for James? I don't know if you're ready this morning. This, James is, is, is it's good, isn't it? It's a good teaching. I mean, Pastor James just helps us out. Uh, maybe say some things to us that we, we don't want to hear, but we need to hear, you know, some good medicine kind of thing. Uh, so we're, we're in message number nine of uh, our study called James, Everyday Believer Stuff. He's helping us out in our everyday walk, and that's where we need to help. We need that help right there, don't we? We're, right where we live. We're going to talk this morning up from the subject, Lord willing. Everybody say that with me. Lord willing. All right, so just a quick review from last week. Uh, we, we started in James chapter four. We're going to kind of finish James chapter four today. Uh, we, we've added some stuff to help with our faith journey. James has added some stuff to us. We've been instructed on some of the ways of humility. We've come up with some behaviors that we need to adopt, some, some ideas we need to adopt, some, some, some ideas. Now, I'm going to start it and you finish it for me. Okay, according to James chapter four right here, James says that we should submit to God. What does it say after that? Submit to God. What's, how does he finish that? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, this is going to have to work a little bit better than it just did. All right. So, <laughs> so, so James is teaching us about some things we need to do as believers. So we learn that we need to submit our lives to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Then, then he added something else to us. He said, draw near to God and... And it's better. That's good, good. And he will draw near to you. So we need that, don't we? And then he said this. He said, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And then he gets real intense and he says, lament and mourn and weep. He's talking about true repentance and you getting really serious with God about your life and about maybe the direction, maybe some things you've done wrong and some things you need to do right. Then he says this, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and you finish it for me. And he will lift you up. Right. By now, some of y'all have had time to turn to James 4. You should be following along. All right. (laughs) You could cheat if you wanted to. Right. Humble yourself. Now, God could humble you. That's not the issue. You know, there's a reason when we when we go to pray, we say, bow your head. I mean, God can see us. We're not trying to hide. We're not trying to. Maybe we're kind of shutting everything out. But we we bow our heads in, in submission, don't we? We bow our heads in humility to him. There's a reason when we pray that we oftentimes bow our knee. That, that's that, that whole idea that we, we come and we find ways that we can actively humble ourselves before the Lord. And we trust that in due time, in due season, according to his plan and purpose, according to what he sees in us and what he sees in the world and what needs to be done, according to his will, we trust that he will lift us up, right? And then the last thing we covered last week was this, dealing with this tongue again. It says, do not speak evil of one another. Especially in the household of faith. Don't speak bad about your neighbor. Look at somebody say, watch your mouth. Be careful now. Careful, 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 careful. You got, 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 to, got to watch this thing right here. Don't, do not speak evil. Jesus talks a lot about that. Don't curse, but bless, right? That kind of thing. Now imagine, that, 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 just that little list right there. That's just six things. I mean, it's, they're loaded up. It's a, it's a lot to it, but there's six things right there. Imagine if you and I just did a couple of these things. It'd revolutionize your life, wouldn't it? Imagine if you just spent, spent your days just doing what you could to draw near to God. I mean, really setting your mind and your schedule, your heart in that direction, and you did what you could. And, and imagine if, if, you, if you come down here and you just begin to humble yourself and allow God to... Imagine we just did a couple of them. Now, now think about what James is writing to us. Imagine if we put all of this into practice. What kind of person would you be? Well, you'd be a Christian, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd be what Jesus would say, a follower. 
Hmm. See, this, this is what God is after. God is after, he's more, he's after more than just religious devotion and us coming to church and reading our Bible and getting our 10 or 15 minutes in or singing a praise song here or there. He wants us to become a certain kind of person in the earth. That's what he's after. He's after this transformation of our character to where he can have representation in your house. He can have a representative in your family. He can have a representative or many representatives in a community. That's what he wants. He wants to make us people who have learned that it's, it's, it's not just a command. It's, it's, it's like a priority. It's, it's like a, a passion for us that we are people that love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are people that have learned that the best way to live is to put other people first and to love our neighbor. See, this is the kind of person that he wants to turn us into. This, you do these practices like this, it'll turn you into that kind of person. So now today, James is going to bring us another practice. He's going to say, I, I want you to add this to your tool chest. I want you to put this in your mind. I want you to put this into your life and into practice. We're going to read the last part of chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. You want to read it with me? Verse 13 to 17, just four short verses. It says this, read. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Nobody knows that, do they? Hmm. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say this, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Let's pray. Lord, we just need your help. We need your help. We we need you to continue to equip us. Uh, We need you to Kick out what doesn't need to be there, Lord, and implant in us uh, the richness of your word, the seed of your word, Lord, that would bring forth the harvest, the, the kind of person that you want us to be. Help us, Lord. Add to us, Holy Spirit. We're going to trust you to, to comfort us. We're going to trust you to correct us. We're going to trust you to lead us in the right direction. We open up our ears so that we can hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So now, did, did you see it? Did you see the practice? Did you hear it? What was the practice? Tell me, tell me. We could make this sermon real short if you want to real quick. What was the practice which you are to incorporate into our daily living? What's the practice? What did you say? If the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, Lord willing. That's the way my, my grandma used to say, Lord willing. She said it real fast and said it all the time. Now, this is a Christian practice. It's a, it's a mindset that is literally to govern our lives. It's to help us to stay connected to God Help you and I make decisions in our life, be they big or be they small. It's to give us a, a, a different kind of perspective on the earth, on, in, the, in our world, in our life, in our decisions, in the way we manage our lives, in the way we conduct ourselves. We are to put this into practice. So James paints this scenario. It's a picture that he's painted already. Just in one brief sentence stroke, he says this. There's a businessman who, who's going out of town. He's going out of town to do some business. He's, he's kind of planning out his next year. He's going, I'm, I'm going to town. I'm going to uh, make some money. I'm going to go do business. And, but there's a problem with that scenario. Now, is the problem with him doing business? Does God want us to do business? Yep. Does God want us to do, make a profit? Absolutely. He wants us to be a blessing to other people and to our families. Is the problem the travel? Is the problem the planning? 
Is the problem making the money? Well, now, none of that's the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is doing all of that without God's involvement. Without God's input. Without even any consideration of God. Living without God's involvement. That was the problem, right? Because he makes this statement. He said, well, do you... You can make all these plans and go about all your business. And you don't even know what tomorrow holds. I mean, you, be real frank about it. You don't even know if you're going to make it there. We don't do it. I mean, he's, he's dealing with a little bit of uncertainty of life. And he says, there's only one thing that's certain. And you put your hope and faith in God, not in tomorrow or not in what you hope and plan. Because there's a lot of people that didn't make it as far as you have. I mean, I don't, I don't know this. Today, this could be the last sermon I ever preach. I, I don't think so. I hope not. I, I pray not. I mean, I need, I need some more time, right? I, I need some more time. I hope so. But, but do I know that for sure? Because we could all sit here and we could, we, could, we could cry a river probably of all the folks that were in our life yesterday, but they're not here today. We all have that. And he's dealing with this uncertainty of life. And he's saying, I don't, I don't want you to live presumptuous about tomorrow. And I don't want you to live your life without God's involvement. I want you to put God front and center on everything. See, God's not against your plans. God wants you to be organized. God wants you to, to be thoughtful. God wants you to hope. And God wants you to hope for a future. And sometimes he'll even give you a vision of that future and an idea. And he'll help you work towards that idea. So he's not against the planning part. He's just, about, he's just against being left out of it all. See, Daddy likes to talk to his kids about the business. He likes to talk to us, doesn't he? And God knows something that we, we don't always put together. God knows something about your life and my life. God knows that life doesn't work right unless he's front and center on everything. He, unless God is first in your life, he knows that your life's not going to turn out the way it should or the way it even could. So he also knows that there's many nefarious influences and evil influences constantly tempting us, pulling us away. All of these deadly temptations, pulling us away from evil spirits to manipulative people to crazy folks to all kinds of things, all kinds of worldly influences and, and even some wrong desires that's embedded inside of our flesh. He knows all that's there, and, and God knows that all of those waters are real tricky. And it can be very deceptive about which way you should go, whether to the right or to the left, or you should stop, stay, go, fast, quick, slow, you know, all that kind of stuff. God knows, and He knows that without His help, you are in big trouble. So He says, how, how about not making up the calendar without me being a part of it? How about not planning out your life? or How about not making that big decision about which way you should go or which way you should take your family, which way your career? How about not... <laughs> You're going to need some help. God knows that. And that's a truth we need to embrace consistently. And that, it may sound elementary, but we have a hard time putting this into practice. So James trying to help us reorient ourselves. Instead of orienting ourselves around us, we call that self-centered. He wants us to be God-centered. So he asked this great, big, deep philosophical question. It's meant to provoke your thoughts. And if you just, we just pulled this right out of it, we could just look at this question. We could ponder it for days and days and days. And philosophers have worried themselves to the grave trying to figure this out. But it's worth to think just a little bit. Here's the question. What is your life? 
But what is your life? But what would you, what, what, what makes up you? What, what, what's, what are you all about? What, what is your life? And you could answer with dates, with birth dates, anniversary dates, uh, graduation dates. You could answer with all kinds of dates. You could answer with some good times. You could answer with maybe some locations of some places you've lived and, and maybe some names of some people that you've got connected with or were married to or, or, or children or, or friendships or uh, connections or networking. You, you could name some names. What, or you could list your accomplishments. I've done A, B, C, D, and I've been able to do this, and I've I got titles. I'm, I'm a mom. I'm, I'm a dad. I'm, 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 I'm a, a business owner. I'm, I'm an employee. I'm, I'm a, a, a welder. I'm, I'm, I'm you know... I'm a mechanic, I'm whatever. You, we could add all that kind of stuff. James kind of takes us in a different direction. He, what is your life? James takes a different approach. And he comes with like this thundering voice of a prophet. And he answers this question with this. He said, I want to tell you what your life is. I want you to put this in your mind and I want you to think about this long and hard. Your life is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And everybody said, I'm depressed. <laughs> you start thinking about that and then you, what? Well, he's not trying to lead us he, in, 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 into a dark thought. He's trying to shake us into reality that life is short. It is short. I am, I, I will be in April, I will be 53 years old. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I go to all these ball games and I go to all these graduations and that just happened yesterday for me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you do. You know. <laughs> well, we just had your birthday and it was a big one. <laughs> so, <laughs> just had to do that. You knew it was coming. You felt it. You did it too. He's already curled up. <laughs> we're, we're, life is short. James wants to shake us up. We're making all these plans and having all these thoughts and we're hoping that we're going to live a long life. But James says, he grabs us like a prophet would. He, grabs, he says, life is short. It's like a vapor. It only rises like the smoke and it's, it's there for a moment and then the wind comes and it's gone. Sounds a little bit, if you know anything about Proverbs, sounds a little bit like Proverbs. It says that several times, this idea. Life is just so short. Let me tell you this. If you don't believe that, Go get with some old folks and talk to them about it. Amen. <laughs> I'm not looking at anybody, so. <laughs> I've had an a older gentleman. He was just one of the best men I've ever met. Mr. Julian, he was a wonderful, wonderful man. And he was in his late 80s. He soon would die in, in his early 90s. But just a wonderful man, had, had had a rich life and had a huge family. Most of them lived on the farm with him and all that kind of thing. He just had, had a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Just a wonderful, wonderful man. And he did tell me this. He, he said, Ron, he said, you know what? He said, it's, it's funny getting old. He said, because the days drag by and the years fly by. And he said, if you can tell anybody anything, he said, tell them that life is really short. He said that. I mean, oh, and I, I, I love talking to older people. I love their stories. I love to hear about their their, their experiences. I love to hear what they're talking. You know, what all the all the ins and outs of their life. I love it. I love it. And, and you know, we we got a lot of history around us. We need to talk to some of these folks, and they give us perspective. And if you ask, you could you could find somebody in a uh, hundred years old, and if they could talk to you, even though they seem old to us, they would say, you know what, my life has gone by just like that. 
That, that's why death is so tragic, even if, I mean, it's really tragic if it's a young person, but it's tragic even if it's an older person, because their life is so quick. Just ask them about it. So James kind of puts us in mind of this, this, this reference point. And why is he doing this? Because he's saying you don't have much time, so don't waste what precious little time you have. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Don't, don't chase the wrong stuff. Jesus has a lot to say about that. About all the distractions and things that come our way. Don't chase the wrong stuff. And don't end up at the wrong finish line. Don't run the wrong race. Because you can run the wrong race and win, but you still lose. So James wants us to have a better perspective. It's, it's not a downer. I know we think about this kind of thing and it's like, oh, thank you, preacher. I appreciate you just killing my joy there. It's not a downer. It's a reality check. What James is after, this is what he's after. This, this last little phrase right here. He doesn't want us to live in pride and arrogance and presumption. He wants us to live a different kind of way. He doesn't want you to live like the I did it my way crowd. He, he doesn't want all that. Because you can do it your way, but that's not the right way. I can 100% guarantee you. So he, he's after us not living in pride and arrogance. He said there's a better way. He said, I, I want you to learn to filter your life. I mean your whole life. Everything. I want you to filter it through this idea. Verse 15. I want you to put everything in the basket. I want you to pour it through this filter. And I want you to put, put this in front of you all the time. This is to be in the forefront of your mind. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. You've you got to read that with me. Read it with me, will you? If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Whatever this or that is for you, whatever your day may hold, whatever. If the Lord is willing. I, have any of y'all ever met somebody who says that phrase like all the time? Lord willing. Somebody say, I mean, my, my grandmama lived like that. She would say that it was almost a habit for her. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be there Saturday, Lord willing. Anybody ever say that? Anybody heard people say that kind of thing? Well, this is where they get this from, this whole idea. Now, I know it can become Christianese, and we can kind of say it out of habit, and it doesn't mean anything. That, that's not what James is after. He's not just after you putting something in your vocabulary. He's after you putting something in your heart to where your life literally is submitted to God in every way possible. And if God wants me to be here, I'll be here. If God doesn't want me to be here, I won't be here. In other words, this, this phrase right here, Live your life with God in mind. You realize that, that success for us is not about the money. It's not about the portfolio. It's not about the career achievements. It's not about the ladder you're climbing, the corporate ladder you might be climbing or whatever. It's, it's not about all that. Your success for us as believers is doing the will of God. Success for us as believers is hoping to live for that day when our Heavenly Father with the Son looks at us and says, Well done, good and faithful servant. That, that's, that's success for us. What, whatever that might be. So James... Wants us to know life is short. So be wise. Life is short. Old preacher said eternity is long. And heaven and hell are real. And it does matter, doesn't it? So Lord, if you want me to do this today, that's fine. Now again, I'm not trying to make you just say this after everything you say. I want this to be the filter of your life to where you wake up in the morning 
and you have God on your mind. There's some good practices. I, I, I have tried to make it a habit to where when I get up in the morning and I put my feet on the floor, the very first thing I say, I'm not saying this to be pious or anything like that, but I, I try to be mindful of this. The very first thing I say when I put my feet on the floor is, good morning, Lord. I, I try to be mindful because I, we, here we go. <laughs> We're starting today. Here we go. You, 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 you coming with me. <laughs> I can't do this by myself. Good morning, Lord. Hmm. It seems simple. But, you know, we're people that's, that, that are prone to pride. You, me, we're, we're prone to pride. We, we're prone to go our own way. There's a part of our nature that wants to go a different way. We, we don't always include God in our everyday stuff. Now, Sunday's a big good reminder for most of us, and we, we, can, we can put that in, and we get recalibrated on Sunday. That's part of why we gather every week. It's to recalibrate our week. And the Sunday's not the last day of the week. Sunday's the first day of the week. And we put God first on the first day of the week. That's, that helps us to recalibrate things. That helps us with this filter. It's a reminder. But we need to do it every day. Because we're people that are prone to pride and independence from God. You realize that? If sin does anything, it does that. It takes us away from God, makes us independent of Him. So we think. Mamaw kind of said it like this. When it comes to all this kind of stuff about God and all that, says some of y'all are getting too big for your britches. Anybody ever heard that say? I, I, I looked at that when I wrote it down. And I just kind of contemplated getting too big for your britches. I don't even know what that means. But I know what that means. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and then, then aren't we something? Aren't we something? We go about our business. Things fall apart. Things don't work out the way they should, the way we liked for them to. We don't find success the way we want. And then we blame God for the stuff that we didn't include him in when it doesn't work out. Isn't it, ain't we something else? <laughs> so James is encouraging us to live as if Jesus really is the Lord and Savior of your life. Well, that was right on cue, actually. <laughs> Some of y'all might need to come on down here now. Hmm. So run it by him. Live as if Jesus is the Lord of your life. Follow him. Ask him about it. Live with him in mind, right? Don't forget God. All right, so it's attempting to reconnect. All right. We lost all that too, didn't we? Oh, well. Now, listen to this. So, so we're, we're people prone to forget. All right? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know the power. It flicked on a couple times last night. It flicked off and on. So I guess we're just dealing with something here. Uh, well, you can hear me talk. But the microphone ain't cut out a bit. How about that? <laughs> I'm afraid if the lights stay out too long, I'll wake up and half of you boys will be asleep. But it, it'll be... <laughs> Now, listen to this message from Deuteronomy. Let's read several passages from Deuteronomy. Moses, this is Moses' last words here in Deuteronomy. And he's got something in mind. He is really concerned. This, this, this is, this is the, the father leader of Israel. The, the, the guy, he, he's getting ready to sign off. And he is really, really concerned about you in this one thing. Especially this one thing. See if you can hear it. 
4.9 of Deuteronomy. Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. And teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Did you hear it? 4.23. Take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you and made yourselves, and you will make yourselves a carven image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. 6.12. Then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. 8, 11 through 14. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments, His judgments, His statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied, all that you have is multiplied. It's prosperity. Something about prosperity is some, some shaky ground for us sometimes. When your heart is lifted up, you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Do you hear it? Is there a recurring theme here? What, what's the recurring theme? Do not forget. 19 and 20 of verse, or chapter 8, Deuteronomy, the last. Then it shall be if by any means you forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. Hmm. So if you're not going to forget, then what do you got to do? You better remember. So now hearing all that now, it makes sense. Hearing all that stuff from Deuteronomy just now, it makes sense when Jesus sits down at the Last Supper and he takes the bread and he takes the wine. You know what he says? He says, remember me. Remember me. Doesn't that make sense? His words are, not, not now don't forget, but I want you to rem- put me in mind. Don't forget. So, so we've got to have this, this, this focused attention and intention. We've got to have this focus in our lives to keep the Lord and His will in the forefront of our minds. So how do you do that? You do that with this phrase, Lord willing. Lord willing. It helps you. It helps you stay focused. If it's the Lord's will, I'm glad to do it. If that's what he wants for me, I'm, I'm glad to do it. Lord willing. It seems to me Jesus kind of taught us to pray like that, didn't it? Remember the prayer? Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your... Ah. So we're to be conscious of it all the time, even in our prayers. Hmm. 16 and 17, he says, but now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. You left God out of it. Your pride took you down your own path. He says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So this, this idea of the Lord's will or Lord willing to live any other way is sinful and foolish. And it will not end well. That's what James wants us to do. Now, I want to close with a story about a man who forgot God. Jesus tells a story about a man in Luke chapter 12. Just a little short story, about eight or nine verses. From 13 to 21 in Luke 12. Jesus is confronted. There's a guy that comes 
to one of Jesus' teaching meetings. He's in the crowd there, and, and then one from the crowd said, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Well, that's really something to get involved in, ain't it? Jesus says to him, Man, you, who made me a judge or an arbitrator to you? That, that's none of my business. I'm not getting involved. That's family stuff. But I will tell you this, Jesus says, Take heed and beware of covetousness. That's wanting something you shouldn't want. Or wanting something that don't belong to you. Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he tells him a story. He says this. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. He had year after good blessing after good blessing. This guy's got it going on. Then he thought within himself, saying, what, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? And so he said, I, I will do this. Now notice the wording here now. Jesus is very deliberate with his words. Notice, notice the word himself. He thought within him. That's not a prayer. That's, he thought within himself, right? He thought within himself. And then he says, what shall you see, who seems to be at the center of all this? Since I have no room to store my crop. So he said, I, you see, the wording is very, very plain and very, very intentional. I, I'm going to do this. I will pull down my barns and I, I'm going to build bigger barns. And there I will store all my goods. And I will say to my soul, so, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Now that phrase right there, if you know anything about Greek literature, or the Greek worldly stuff in Jesus' day and all that kind of thing, the mantra of the pagans was eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. That was the mantra. That was, the, that was their motto. Eat, drink, and be merry. In other words, have a good time. That's what life's all about. Just have a good time. Have fun. Do what you want because, you, you know, you only go around once. That kind of thing. So Jesus just kind of throws that, that pagan idea in there. This guy's into it. Just enjoy your life. But God said to him, you know, all that I stuff. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to do. This is where I'm going. He left somebody out. And then guess who talked to him? And God said to him, you fool. Now I know you ain't supposed to call nobody no fool. But when God calls you a fool, you, you better know you're a fool. This night your soul will be required of you. And then whose will these things be which you have provided? Hmm. You see that? There, there wasn't no Lord wills. It's, it's I will. Very implicit in that. But tonight is your last night here. You weren't thinking about that. That's what James is putting us in mind now. Not to live our lives afraid of death. But to know that our lives are, are just not, we're, we're not promised tomorrow. It ain't real easy to preach with the lights flickering off and on. <laughs> I get distracted. 
squirrel, you know, that kind of thing. It's all He'd forgotten about the brevity of life. He'd forgotten about how short life is. And he forgot about, it's so important for us to put God at the center. He put himself and his own prosperity and his own riches and wealth in front of everything. And then he got to the end point. And as they say in the corporate world, his ladder was leaning on the wrong building. And Jesus says this. So is he or she who lays up treasure for himself or herself. And is not rich toward God. Isn't that interesting? That's, that's, that's worth a ponder. What, what does it mean to be rich toward God? We, well, we know what it's like to be rich in this world. You know, the car, the house, the stuff, the, you know, the land, the property, the whatever you can buy, the trips and all the stuff you can do and all. We know how to calculate wealth on this side. But the calculation of wealth on this side is not really what matters. God says the calculation of wealth needs to be something that you laid up. And he calls it this idea of being rich toward God. You ought to spend some time to think about that this week. What, what does it mean for your life to be rich toward God? What does it mean to have this wealth that's not laid up in this kingdom or this world? But what is it to have the wealth that's laid up in God's kingdom? What does it mean to be rich toward God? You ought to put some thought into that. Because it seems to be a pretty big deal to Jesus. And one day it's going to be the deal for us. So, Lord willing, keep that in your mind. Keep that as the filter. Put that in front of you. You need to make a change in your job? Well, Lord, what, what would you will? What, what, what do you want in this situation? Which way do you want me to go? Especially if you're dragging some folks with you into this. Need his consultation. Or maybe you've got a relationship you're trying to work out. Well, Lord, what do you want? And wait for the answer. I don't know if the answer is going to come immediately. It may come progressively. It may come in time. But put that in front of whatever decision you got to make. You understand that? I, 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 could, I could write a book on me violating this principle and how things turned out. Anybody know about that? So life is best lived if we are the sheep and Jesus is the shepherd. You know that? Life is best lived like that. So for some of us, some of us are living far from God. This is not even on the radar for us. If that's you, it's time to come home. It's time to come back and return to what the shepherd of your soul, like Peter would say. Return to the shepherd of your soul. And some of us are believers, but, but we've been living without God's input. That's not good. And it, it, it's, it's such a habit for us. We, we didn't even know until we run into somebody like James and says, Hey, hey, hit the brakes here now. Lord willing, is he? I don't know. We'll, we'll just take some time to find out. It's worth it. It's rather, you would rather get instruction than to have to clean up the mess, I can promise you. So which are you? Do you need to come home? 
put God back at the front of your life and say, you are my Lord and my King. Some need to make that decision today. Or maybe you're a believer and you're living like an atheist. Isn't that something? It happens. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help. Uh, we got a lot of complexities in our life, a lot of things coming at us. And this strikes all of us maybe one way or another. We need your help to navigate these waters of our life, Lord. We don't know what tomorrow holds. There's just no way for us to even find out. And those that try to tell us ain't doing number line. So Lord, I pray you'd help us to put you back front and center to, to recalibrate ourselves. You know, if we're working with instruments and stuff, we've got to do that all the time. We've got to recalibrate them. Because through the use, they, they, they kind of get off sometimes. Our, our hearts are like that. Through just walking in this life, Lord, we kind of get off. So Holy Spirit, just using the words of James, just recalibrate us. Help us put you back front and center. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm far from God. I, I need God. I need to commit my life to him. I'm not living like this at all. And beloved, you are not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised tomorrow. We don't know. We could step one step into eternity from here to there, just like that. If you're here this morning or you're watching us on Facebook, listening to us in some other kind of way, if you're here and you're listening to this and you are far from God, I need you to make a decision today. You need to make a decision today to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Come into your life and be your shepherd. He'll do it. He'll change your time and your eternity just like that. If you're here this morning, it's you. Say, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. Anybody? Say, I'm far from God. I need to come back home. Anybody? Amen. How many say, Pastor, I'm listening. I, I, I need to get more mindful of this. Anybody across the building say, I need to be more mindful of this. Just slip up your hand. Yes, I see it. I see it all over the place. Yes. Yes. All over. So Lord, help us. I guess we need to start with, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. We, we, we didn't mean to be prideful and arrogant, really. In, in most situations, that's true. We, we didn't mean to. We just got here. We just clicked along. So forgive us for that, Lord. I, I just pray you'd help us with that, that, that good morning, Lord. That idea that you're always with us, that you're, you're there, you're, you're present. Always. Make us more mindful. And we'll say it together. If it be your will. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.